Welcome to the Axiom Podcast. My name is Joey Brannon. Today we're finishing up the fourth installment in our four-part series on building a great culture. And we're talking today about execution. And when we talk about execution, the question that I would pose to you as a business owner, as the leader of a team, is can you have a great culture? And, and just to go back and rehash we have talked about values being kind of, that was episode one, and that is kind of the bedrock of being in a position to build a great culture. And then we talked about vision. And we talked about leadership. I think we talked about leadership first, and then we talked about vision. And those, obviously, great elements. So you've got values. You've got great leaders. You've got great vision for what's supposed to happen. Can you still have a great culture if people don't know what's going on in the organization? Can you have a great culture if people don't know the score? They don't know whether they're winning or losing. Can you have a great p- culture when problems aren't talked about or nobody tries to solve them or where problems are solved, but no one knows how or why they were solved? Can you have a great culture where problems are talked about, but there are no decisions made that will actually solve those problems? Can you have a great culture where decisions are made but nobody really follows up to see if the next actions that were really required to be put in place to solve them have ever been made or ever been executed. Can you have a great culture where people don't know when they're going to have a chance to, to, to discuss the things that they think need to be improved in the organization or where things are rarely done the same way twice, or where no one knows who's in charge, or where people are always searching for the information or the tools necessary to do their job? And the answer to every one of those questions, of course, is no. You can't have a great culture if those are the things that that you're struggling with day in, day out. And every one of those things boils down to execution. Those fit in the category, squarely in the category that we would call execution. So you have a great vision and you've got great leaders that want to see that vision realized, and you've got values that articulate how we're going to behave, how we're going to treat one another as we pursue this, that vision begs execution, which then begets rhythms and systems and processes that will actually make things happen in the real world. Otherwise, your team is going to fail to get anything accomplished, and they'll eventually lose heart. When I think about execution, like, unfortunately, uh, well, let me back up. The planning part is exciting. Like, building a strategic plan is exciting. Talking about values and getting values down on the page is exciting. Talking about leadership and improving leadership skills is empowering. And establishing vision, putting that on the whiteboard and, you know, what are we going to be pursuing over the next 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years, that's exciting. And execution man it's it's it stinks sometimes it's boring it's drudgery it's monotonous it is plotting but when we think about other we use a lot of analogies unfortunately i probably use too many sporting analogies but when i think about execution it's kind of like practice you know i grew up playing soccer and we got to play one game a week and that game was awesome it was exhausting it could be brutal, but you lived for the Saturday game. You know, when I was growing up playing club soccer, you lived for the Tuesday night game when I was playing high school soccer. But we practiced five or six times for every game that we got to be in. And the practice, 
I mean, there are some days I looked forward to practice, but there most days I wasn't looking forward to running drills. I wasn't looking forward to running, period. I wasn't looking forward to the PT. I wasn't looking forward to, um, you know, running the same, same set play 10, 15, 20 times until we could get it right. I wasn't interested in doing passing drills for 30 or 45 minutes. But it was that practice that enabled us to go out and actually win the games. And when you have a team that's not focused on execution, it's kind of like they just want to show up and play the game every day. And it's kind of like the pickup game at your local, you know, uh, ball field. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting, but nobody goes home at the end of the day feeling like they really accomplished something. They don't have a sense of pride that they won that game on that particular day. But the next time they show up, the teams might be different. Uh, some people might show up, you know, that are, are better or, or the good players don't show up and they're not playing against the best people. So they don't feel like their skill set's getting in, any better. They, they haven't taken time to develop their skills to feel like they can say they're a better player. And it's just, it, it loses something. But the thing that makes it possible to go out there on game day and have a great rewarding experience, win the game is the plotting practice. So what does that look like when you're talking about a business? I'm going to give you three steps. I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible. And the three steps are step one, a plan that includes as few strategies as possible. I think that's super important. A strategy is something that's so important that you'll say no to other things. So my question is, can you have a strategy If you don't have a rule for saying no and a way to be absolutely certain about what is yes. And the answer is you can, but if, if you don't have a, uh, as few strategies as possible, it's going to be a weekly or a monthly strategy. So do your team, you do your team a favor and pick a strategy that you'll let them focus on for a prolonged period of time. So when we have, uh, when we work with teams to say like, well, what's the strategy that we're going to pursue? Like what we're trying to do is get their, their thinking framed around what's something that is so important and big enough that we could focus the team's efforts for two or three years on this particular area. And during that time, we'll be able to make significant headway. And it's something that a lot of teams have not necessarily gone to the trouble to, uh, to constrain that focus. And business owners are the worst. They're the worst culprits because they will come up with a great idea from a conference or a seminar or a book they read or a friend that they ran into or somebody who's in the same business in another area. And they'll say, we need to launch this new product or we need to change over to this software. Or, we need to do this new thing. And the team gets really vested in it. And then three months later, four months later, there's another new idea. And six months after that, another new idea. And the team's constantly kind of fighting itself to just stay focused in one particular area. So if you can constrain yourself to one strategy, maybe two, a primary and a secondary strategy is what a lot of our clients end up with. It gives you a rule for saying, this is what we're saying yes to. So we're saying no to a lot of other things. And this is difficult for business owners and entrepreneurs because they see opportunity everywhere and they don't want to say no to any of it. But unless you've got a bottomless pool of capital to pull from and an endless supply of great leaders to, to use to carry out those plans, there are going to be limits to how many opportunities you can take advantage of. 
when you pick a strategy, you're saying this is something that we can say yes to, and it's going to allow us to say no and exclude a lot of other things. So strategies that we have pursued with teams in the past have included building a professional sales team, uh, retention, uh, focus on improving gross profitability, meaning focus on pricing and cost of goods to the exclusion of a lot of other stuff. We may even increase overhead to the extent that our net income doesn't really improve because we've recognized that they're going to have to be investments to improve the top line before we can get to the bottom line. So strategy no, or step one, build, build a plan that includes as few strategies as possible. Step two, you got to have goals that are tied to that strategy. And this is a really simple step. Don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. And when we talk about goals tied to a strategy, what's your strategy? Okay, our strategy is retention. All right, what is your current retention number? Well, we don't know. All right, well, we may have to pause and, and figure out how we're going to measure retention, how we're going to define it, and then how we're going to measure it accurately before we can set a goal and establish what the baseline is. But in the meantime, we might while we're doing that, we might also go out and get the industry numbers that tell us where other businesses in the same industry as us, where is their published retention at? And you can get these figures if you if you look for them. And then while we're doing the housekeeping, we're finding out what the industry is. And let's say it takes us six or eight weeks to finally get the good data out of our system and to crunch it in the way that's going to allow us to measure retention on an ongoing basis. And we say our retention is 81%. You know, the industry average is 88%. And we don't want to be average. We want to be above average. We look at the top quartile of people in our industry, and they're between 90 and 91%. So we say we want to be 91% retention. We want to go from 81% to 91% retention. Now, over what time period? And we may not be able to get there in a year, especially if we have a product that gets renewed on an annual cycle. If we have a product that gets renewed on a monthly cycle, we might be able to make that, that leap a little bit quicker. But if our business cycle is a year or more, then it could take a while to get there. And let's say we want to go from 81 to 91 over the course of the next three years. Well, how much of that do we want to pick up this year? Maybe we want to go from 81 to 84 in the first year. And so that's our, that's our goal. And it's directly tied to our strategy. And we can back up and talk about other leading indicators. What are the things that are ultimately going to determine whether we have good retention? And we want to focus on those activities. And we can still set KPIs and KPI targets, key performance indicator targets for those activities. But it's very important to have a goal that's going to tell us whether we're making progress toward the strategy, I would say at a minimum on an annual basis. So on an annual basis or more frequently, um, and preferably like on a rolling 12 basis, we can measure this goal and see if we're getting closer or not to it. Retention is one of those that works well on a rolling 12 basis. If your goal is the development of a professional sales force. Well, you could chart um, sales goals. You could say we've got some quantifiable or some qualitative things that we have to do in terms of sitting down with each salesperson and establishing uh, sales quotas and targets and coming up with ways for them to report on those and us to hold them accountable to progress on those. Uh, that'd be an easy way to do it. You could also say we want to, if a professional sales force, we're going to have um, you know, we're going to have some rock stars and we're going to have some people who are maybe new to the industry and it's going to take them a little bit longer to get up to speed. Maybe we focus on having the average sales per 
salesperson be at a certain level. And there's all kinds of goals that you can set around developing a professional sales team. One of your goals may be uh, to increase the closing ratios, something that we had one of our clients take up and say, we want to increase the closing ratio by five percentage points or 10 percentage points over the next year. So it's not just about dollar volume sales. It can also be about working smarter rather than harder and finding ways to measure that. But if you don't have a goal that is tied to your strategy, then you really don't have a way to measure whether you're making progress toward it or not. And that's very important. This is kind of the way that you keep score. There's lots of, lots of keeping score in the work that we do with, with businesses. But at the biggest level, this is the scoreboard that tells us whether we just won the game for that year or not. And ultimately, you know, whether we won the, the season is whether we, I guess, we get to the vision. That metaphor breaks down at some point. But we have to have a goal that is measurable from X to Y by Z is kind of the, the formula that I like to use to, to set goals by. So step one, a plan that includes as few strategies as possible. Step two, goals tied to that strategy or strategies if you have two of them. And then step three, priorities. Now priorities is the absolute hardest part of this whole process. Uh, coming up with strategies, it's hard. It is mentally difficult. Uh, it involves it can involve gap analysis. It can involve SWOT analysis. It can involve involve um, uh, an elaborate needs analysis of what has to happen for us to reach the vision. It can involve competitive analysis. It can involve lots of things and time spent in front of the whiteboard and days off site to come up with what is the strategy. And and that's time well spent. If you're going to focus on something for two or three years, you shouldn't just say, well, if we can't get it done during this two hour session in the conference room. You know, we're going to pick something so we can we can at least have something before we leave. If it takes a couple of days, it takes a couple of days. If it takes a couple of weeks, it takes a couple of weeks. But once that really intense period's done, and I already said it's kind of enjoyable, it's fun to build strategy. Setting the goal usually is done during that session or immediately following. Maybe take a break and everybody get some rest and come back the next day or the next week and let's set a, a hard goal around this. But then step three of priorities, this is the hard part. This is where we say, if this is our goal for the year, what is the company's priority? Where does it need to focus its efforts for over the next 90 days? What are the projects that need to be accomplished, the tasks that need to get done? And it can take some time uh, to get everybody on the same page because sometimes not everybody will fit on the same page. If we're just being honest, a lot of times we have a, a group of the leadership team, maybe 60 or 70% of the leadership team, that the, the priority for the 90 days really involves their departments or their disciplines. And there's a couple people on the leadership team, and they're kind of at that particular point in time, maybe ancillary. Their activities are kind of off to the side and not as critical to making progress over that next 90 days. But what you would like to figure out in an ideal world is what should each individual be focused on over the next 90 days to move toward that goal. And again, don't make it any harder than it needs to be. Usually when the team gets together and they say, if this is the goal, say to uh, increase the closing rate, you know, what needs to happen? Well, we need to standardize all of our contracts. One, we've got everybody's out there kind of doing their own pitch using their own documentation. And yeah, the legalese is fine in all of them, but they don't look the same that we could standardize them. And we could also standardize the pitch. So if we could standardize the contracts and the pitch, 
over the next 90 days and train everybody up in the right way to do it, we'd be in much better shape. Okay, well, who's going to be involved with that? Well, from the contract side, the, the administration, the office might be involved in that, and it might involve you know getting legal counsel to sign off on it. Uh, the sales manager is definitely going to be involved in, in making sure that they are uh, getting information from the salesman about what they feel like works well in the contract in terms of presentation and what doesn't. Also, might do some ride-alongs to see how different guys are presenting and where the biggest gaps are, or the biggest differences are, and you can have accounting is going to figure out how that contract, how the contract terms need to be redone in the system, so that maybe we can automate going from an estimate to a closed sale. So there's lots of different ways the team can be working together over this 90 days to standardize contracts and the pitch. But there's, there might be you know, customer service might not have a lot to do with it during that time, but customer service still has a 90-day priority. That person still needs to be doing something that in some way is going to be contributing to the goal for the year to build a professional sales team. Maybe it's if we're going to have a professional sales team, we also have to have a more professional customer service team to support them. And so there's some training that I know we need to do. If these guys really up their game, it's going to require my folks on this side to up their game and either be able to handle a higher call, call volume or a higher average sales price with a little bit more sophisticated customer, so on and so forth. So the question that I have for the business owner, the leader, is can you allow them to just shut their door and work on the important stuff or are you one of those bosses that needs to see what everyone is doing? And if you are, it might mean that you hired the wrong people. It might mean that you have to come to grips with your propensity to micromanage. But at some point, you're going to have to trust the people that you've hired to be in leadership positions to decide what they need to do and then let them do it. And it's really an exercise in restraint and trust. Did you hire the right people? So... Part of this is going to require some growth on their part as well because the old adage, what gets measured and paid, paid attention to improves. Are you willing to really press your leaders to measure their efforts over the next 90 days? So you have to recognize that the smaller the time frame, the more intense effective measurement. If we're talking about an annual goal, there's a sense where, well, I mean, that's, we, got a lot, we got a lot of time to make that up. Well, if I shrink that down to a quantifiable set of activities that have to take place over the next 90 days, in reality, it's kind of become four times more urgent because we've shortened the time frame by a factor of four, going from 12 months to three months over the, over the time period which we're going to measure something. And so people who are averse to measurement, sometimes, sometimes they're averse to measurement at all, right? And if they're averse to measurement at all, they probably are going to have an issue with the vision that you laid out there because they, they kind of like the status quo. But if you're, if you're in this position where you're starting to try to move towards accountability and you recognize some antipathy toward that accountability, that antipathy is only going to escalate as the time frame decreases. And you need to prepare that. So you may not see a lot of pushback when you lay the vision out there then you may not even see a lot of pushback when you put the goal out there. But when you start talking about 90-day priorities, there's not a whole lot of places to hide because you can't kick that can down the road very far until somebody notices it. And so just be sensitive to that. And sometimes people are, are um, averse to, to that accountability because they're worried about failing. And 
and they're worried about the consequences of failing and the stakes of failing, and you just haven't done a good job as the leader in charge to create a safe environment where they feel like they can give their best effort and they can ask for help. And if they fall short, it's not the end of the world. It's just a part of the process of getting better every day and every, every quarter and every year. So when you, when you have these strategies that are two to three years and they have potentially measurable outcomes, you're going to experience resistance. You're going to experience more resistance when you get to annual goals. And then finally, when you get to 90-day priorities, if you have some people who really don't want results or accountability, you're going to kind of run into a brick wall. And that should send off you know, some alarm bells. You need to do a little bit more digging to find out why is this person really pushing back or why are they really failing to embrace this kind of 90-day priority, which is the heart and soul of execution. And you're never really going to make a lot of progress toward goals or vision if you can't get the priority in the 90 days section right. So once you know whether you have the leaders who welcome accountability or not, you need to do the hard work to really lead them. And so this is where maybe if there's a step four, uh, this would be it. I, I kind of threw it in here to step three, but step four uh, or step three B is really about you as the business owner, setting aside the time necessary to check in with them and provide for their needs. Regardless of your schedule, you have to make sure that these one-to-ones are happening where you're sitting down with your people and and you're saying, how are you doing, number one? And number two, do you have everything you need with respect to your job? Is there anything I need to provide for you for you to be more effective, more efficient, more productive, more fulfilled in the work that you're doing? Specifically, what about your 90-day priority? How's that going? Do you need anything from me there? What can we do to support you? What can we do to, to provide resources or things that you need to make that happen? And it really needs to happen regardless of your schedule. The number one thing you can do to be more successful in having regular one-to-ones with your people is to put them on your calendar, make them recurring appointments, put them on the calendar invite so they get it as well. And if you have to move it for a vacation or a sickness or something like that, those are kind of the only two outs that you get. You don't get an out for just being busy. You don't get an out for fire drills around customer accounts. You got to be able to work those things in. And if you'll make sure that those one-to-ones are happening no matter what, it will change the level of engagement for your, your leadership team. And if you can't do that, it's really an indictment on your leadership capacity. People require time. If you don't have the time, you aren't ready. So get honest with yourself about where you're spending time. And this is something that I was just talking to my business coach, my C12 chair, Doug Pohl, about last week, where I'm, I'm recognizing I have less and less margin, and it's making me a less and less effective leader. Because I don't have the time. People require time. As our organization grows and our people grow, it requires more of my time to invest in them. And if I don't have that, I have to own the fact that I'm not being the best leader I can be. I can't just say, well, that's because I'm busy. The fact that I'm too busy is an indictment of my leadership capacity. It's It's an indictment of my willingness to say no to other things so that I can be a better leader. And some of us as business operators or business owners are too involved in operations and not involved enough in leadership. And it could be that you just need to invest in people who can help you get the work off your plate so that you have time to sit in front of the people that matter most. That's your leadership team. And you can help them accomplish their priorities, which are going to help the company accomplish its goals, 
which are going to ultimately lead to the realization of the vision that you've laid out for them. So I hope this has been helpful. Don't make it any harder than it needs to be. As few strategies as possible. Set goals tied to the strategies. Set 90-day priorities tied to the goal. And spend time with the people who are going to actually make it happen. We'll see you next week.